It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I thought I had mono once for an entire year. It turned out I was just really bored. And that could be exactly what's going on with the Golden State Warriors, folks. A team that is one of the hardest to read in the history of sports. I, it's You cannot put your finger specifically down on what's going on with this club. But then they pulled that act last night where they blow away a Memphis Grizzlies team that clearly wanted to win that game. And folks, the Warriors, once again, you got to feel good about them. Kylan Mills and I are going to break all of this down next. That was one hell of a Christmas Day game. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Kylan Mills currently in Chicago on Twitter, uh, TikTok, Instagram at Kylan Mills. You can follow me, Cyrus Otzes, on Twitter at DogSurfRocho. Kylan, merry belated Christmas. Your first reaction to the Warriors in their second statement game of the season, once again, coming through in flying colors. Your thoughts and hello. Merry Christmas, Cyrus, to all of you watching. So glad to have you along with us. What a Christmas gift we got yesterday. And by the way, I tweeted something out that there was quite the fodder at my family's gathering about this Warriors-Grizzlies game in particular. Some of my male cousins, some of my cousin's husbands, my husband were all talking about wanting to play some bets, putting some money. Everyone across the board said Grizzlies. We're taking the Grizzlies. I said, all right. I said, you know, what's what's the over-under here? What's the plus-minus? They're like, all right, well, the Grizzlies are getting seven. It's minus seven Grizzlies. I said, oh, I'm taking the Warriors. There's no way. I'm like, the Warriors are going to get up for this game. For some reason, I just like had an inkling and a belief that they were going to pull a rabbit out of their hats. And that's exactly what they did. So I won. I can't remember the exact amount, like 50 bucks or something. We didn't, play, we didn't place any big bets. But, you know, still, it's just fun to talk the trash. So after the game, I was like, I was the only person out of like eight dudes. And I was like, excuse me, everybody. Give me my flowers, too. So thank you to the Warriors <laughs> for also letting me get in on the gloating. Uh, but, you know, what a Christmas Day gift. I mean, the Warriors were clear underdogs. I mean, playing without Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins against a much bigger, a more physical Memphis Grizzlies team. It seemed like it was going to be an uphill battle. And the crazy thing is, Cyrus, at the end of the game, like the Warriors still were just completely dominated points in the paint. They also were beaten uh, in fast break points by, you know, a pretty large margin. I have to look up the exact amount again. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. 27-8, they got beaten fast break points. So it's still kind of mind-boggling. They dominated in the way they did, but, like, shots were falling. How about the way the Warriors started out? They were 9 for 15 at one point late in the second – or late in the first half, rather, from beyond the arc. Like, they were just knocking down threes left and right. Like, the ball movement was so good. It was so exciting to 
to watch them and offense. It seemed like just like things were clicking finally. And, and I don't know, sometimes this team has looked so uninspired this season. It was just fun to see them come out and play with intensity, play with energy. Um, they did end up winning also the battle on the boards, which I thought, you know, did speak to the defensive effort the Warriors were putting in. I thought they just played with more energy and it was fun to watch. Like it was a fun game. Yes, you it had was. Dunks where, you know, Steph's getting off the bench and he's laughing and, Clay Thompson, and we're going to talk about a little bit later, is, is you know, like getting in guys' face, staring them down, whatever the antics are. But it was just fun. It was a fun basketball game to watch. I will say I enjoy the Warriors-Grizzlies. Uh, I don't know if we can say rivalry yet. Like, are you going to call it a rivalry? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's I say yes only because they did play in the playoffs. I guess the plan is technically the playoffs. Those stats – the stats – the plan is weird. I guess the stats only count for the plan, but it's considered the postseason – so they did play each other two years ago in the play-in, and the Grizzlies won. Then they played each other last year in the conference semis, or according to Mike Greenberg on, on the broadcast last night, who said this, I don't know how many times, the Western Conference Finals rematch. No, it was the Western Conference the semifinals, semifinals rematch. Yeah. <laughs> but again, but they, they have enough of a history there uh, to, I guess you could loosely call it a rivalry. Yes, they don't. they clearly don't like each other. I mean... It, you know, Clay Thompson, who is a walking corpse, essentially, like he wakes up for this game and, and reminds people he can still play. Um, you want to hear some – let's start with Clay, right? Because his he was amazing. So this was right after the game. And by the way, for everyone uh, in the chat, welcome. Hello, everyone that's, uh, that's joining us for the live show. Um, Cyrus, before, people are people are ready to come at you about Ty's performance. I know, I know, I know. And I'll address it. I enjoy I'll, it. I'll address I'll address it all in a second. In fact, one of the most surprising things last night is that the Warriors won this game without Steph and Wiggins. Yep. And Jermichael Green. I'm kidding about the Jermichael Green part, but <laughs> so we had the, So here is a here's Clay Thompson. This was right after the game. Um, and this, we haven't seen Clay fired up like this in a while. I don't remember ever seeing him like this uh, emotional about another team. And, and so here is uh, Clay talking about the quote-unquote rival uh, Memphis Grizzlies. But what message did you want to send tonight? Man, they was talking about dynasty and all that. You can't talk dynasty when you haven't won before. I don't think people realize how hard that is, the commitment and sacrifice it takes. I mean, you got to sacrifice your body. And I thought that was premature talk, you know, to talk, to even mention that word. But they bring the best out of us, and I think we do the same. And uh, even though you don't like them, you got to respect them because uh, they're a threat. And, and, and he brings up a great point there. They, they bring out the best in them. And that's why I played that soundbite at the beginning of the show about Wayne from Wayne's World saying, you know, turns out I was just bored. I, I, this could just be what's going on with the Warriors. They're just, they've done so much that unless it's a team like the Celtics or the Grizzlies, I don't think they just care that much anymore. But what are your thoughts on that? And just Clay's emotions for that last night's game. I will touch on the Ty Jerome stuff soon, I promise. But what are your thoughts on uh, on Clay? We'll keep the Ty Jerome stuff as a tease to keep y'all sucked in for later in the show because everyone wants a Ty Jerome <laughs> apology. Dang it. Um <laughs> As far as Clay Thompson, yeah, I mean, it was crazy to me. It seems like a switch flip because to me, so many games, we've talked about it recently, it looks like Clay has been kind of disinterested. And like he's hanging his head. He just looks a little bit mopey, to be quite frank. Yes. Like just in the way that he carries himself, when they show shots of him on the bench, he just like doesn't look super fired up. And like last night, to me, it looked like a different Clay Thompson. Um, in regards to his actual performance, like I don't know if I'm quite as high on, on how he did uh, compared to some people because 
to me, when you look at his actual stats across the board, like 24 points, but he still did shoot eight of 25, three of 12 from beyond the arc. And he played 40 minutes to put in 24 points. And he was getting a lot of touches on the ball. Uh, he did bring in four rebounds, nine rebounds, I mean, four assists. So I thought he did have some good contributions as well. But to me, like Clay still isn't shooting well. And that's right. a little bit of a concern moving forward because Clay's got to be hitting more shots than that. And he's got to be putting up better numbers than that. I believe for this team to win a championship this season, like they need a little bit more from him. Uh, but you know, he still put up 24. I thought he had some other good contributions. We've talked about, we both feeling kind of like defensively, he's been holding his own. He's been doing well, or at least well enough. Um, so, you know, I just was glad that he showed that love of the game, the joy, the intensity last night that it seemed to be missing from Clay Thompson. Like I just, like, I don't know. To me, just you mentioned the disinterested or you mentioned just that it seems like the Warriors are just bored. Like, I don't yeah. know what it is, but to me, like Clay in particular is a player that I've like noticed specifically, like looking, I don't know, just like I said, not super into the game, like a lot of times. And so it was very refreshing to see him fired up. You know, I think it's all in good fun and, and you know, whatever gets him going, you know what I mean? Whatever gets him fired up for the game, let him do it. If he wants to stare people down, you know. A little back and forth, the jarring. I mean, that's that's all good. He that's was all I mean, he, by me. <laughs> no, yeah, and he was so into that game. I mean, he was grabbing yeah. tough rebounds. He was battling inside. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah, he was battling on the boards pretty hard. Like he was playing yeah. like it was really intense. And I don't think he's had that same intensity, like maybe at all this season, with the exception of like a few games. The Celtics game. I, I this is the only yeah. game I think of. He he played good that night. You're, and that's why the Wayne's World thing. I I really feel like you're right. He epitomizes that little metaphor there I mean, because it the yeah. looks like a dead man walking this year. He looks like he he's a corpse except for that Celtics game and a few games. He had that 41 point game. Uh, in fact, he actually touched on what you said in regards to efficiency. I'm gonna play this sound by real quick as well before we move on from Clay Thompson. But this was him talking about his performance last night and the fact that he still has not reached that efficiency that we all usually expect from him. It was such an incredible day for me. Um, I thought I played very well, near double-double, no turn. You know, I'm never happy shooting eight for 25 and three for 12 from three, but they're all good looks. Maybe one or two weren't great, but I'm taking shots in rhythm. And the efficient nights are coming, the big nights are coming. I just got to stay the course like I did last year and be at my best when it matters most. But uh, just a huge milestone for me. I haven't done this in four years, and um, I'm just so grateful to play in front of my mother, my brother, my friends. It was just a great night, and I couldn't couldn't have had a better Christmas. Yeah, there you go. So um, hopefully, all the rest will come as well. Um, we'll talk about Ty Jerome on the bench because <laughs> I'm going to give him love. I, I said, I, I will give Ty Jerome his due. He played fantastic last night. Um, so we'll touch on that and so much more. First got to give some love to bet online. Oh, let's get that banner and I'll switch us up so people can see, uh, you instead of me, um, bet online and more specifically betonline.net. Uh, sorry, I don't have the copy up. So that's me buying time here. Here we go. So betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting information stats news analysis uh our boy jimmy shapiro the uh he is the president of bet online i don't know if you heard this kylan there there is speculation that james harden might be going back to the houston rockets uh the chubby flopper apparently you know this is a tactic he's pulling to maybe get some more money out of the philadelphia 76ers 
So Jimmy Shapiro writes uh, or has presented odds that you can bet on in regards to where James Harden is going to play next year. Um, he's favored to play for the 76ers at the start of the 2023-2024 season. It's a, a yes uh, a bet is minus 180 and no bet is plus 140. But if he doesn't come back to Philly, the other teams lining up for him, according to the odds makers, the Houston Rockets, 2-1 to one odds, then the Miami Heat, Celtics, Mavericks, Lakers, and the Knicks. And your Bulls are right behind them. What are your thoughts on this whole James Harden thing? I, I couldn't believe when I heard yesterday. I'm like, he's still like like in the news? I mean, still, it's wild. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I also think that's wild. Uh, I got to look into that because honestly, <laughs> I've been so like zeroed in on traveling for the holidays and all that stuff. Why? Why is... Houston Rockets, really weird. I, that's yeah. I mean, that's a new one. Um, uh -huh. I, mean, I would go with, and you said it's still he's still favored to go back, right, to Philly. Yeah, I, yeah. The odd, yeah. You could bet it's he's favored to return to Philly next year, but uh, there's there are there is reports out there now. I think Woj dropped this. Uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN. Yeah. They're saying that he might. Uh, he's dropping hints through his agent that he might go back to Houston next year, but they're also saying. This could just be a play for him to try to get more money out of Philly. I don't know, but it's weird. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting situation. I don't know. I'd still put my money on him going back to the 76ers as of right now, but I'll have to look into what, you know, what all the reports are. But you have an apology to make, sir. And let's get it. Let's get I to want it. Let's you get to do to a it. press conference Look style. I want you to go all in just to I'm give our apologize. listeners what they want. <laughs> <laughs> but well, first off, real quick, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online and betonline.net. It's where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. After us, go check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Kotlin Mills is also available on all sorts of social media platforms. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Kylan Mills. Uh, all right, so the bench for the Warriors last night. That was massively huge. And obviously, Ty Jerome um, led the team in plus minus. Uh, what, did he? Yeah, he did at, at 23. So here's the thing with Ty Jerome, all right? And, and, and fall, see, if, see, if, see if what I'm saying makes sense to you, Kylan. Uh, when you put Ty Jerome and Dante DiVincenzo side by side, Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo looks like a real NBA player, right? And I'm not just talking about their aesthetics. I'm talking about the way they play on the court. DiVincenzo is an athletic freak, phenomenal three-point shooter, terrific defender. That's the kind of player that I expect – from a team trying to repeat like a world champ, like to repeat as world champions. Ty Jerome until last night has not really wowed me. 
I, I've obviously expressed my sentiments on him clearly. I don't hate him as a person. I don't hate anyone. Okay, when I say the word hate on this show, if I say it, I just mean sports hate uh, and keep it in context of sports, right? Last night, him and Anthony Lamb, they, they're starting to win me over. If they can keep doing that, because my barometer for how I judge a team of players is wins and losses, okay? Like, people were coming at me yesterday saying Ty Jerome is averaging a 50-40-90. Phenomenal. But the sample size is, like, this small. He hasn't played much. But they won last night. Ty Jerome played phenomenally. Um, his stat line, I think, had 14 points total. Uh, I don't think his assist or rebound numbers were that big. I think he had just one assist, uh, three rebounds. But he clearly was making a huge impact out there. Even uh, Anthony Lamb was playing solid ball, had 11 points. He's three, he had three three-point shots, which were huge. What makes me happy about the Ty Jerome performance last night, besides the fact that they won, is that he was doing it with Jonathan Kaminga on the court, with Moses Moody on the court, who had a fantastic game, by the way, and James Wiseman, who in eight minutes of play scored zero points, yet I think universally people loved how he played because he was out there grabbing five rebounds in only eight minutes. Uh, I can't remember if he had a block shot or not. The stat sheet says no, but he looked amazing, like as, as a defender, as a physically imposing specimen. So my whole thing with Ty Jerome has always been, I don't care if he plays, provided he's not stealing minutes from the lottery picks who desperately need those minutes. Well, last night, Steve Kerr decided to make me happy. And I thank you, Steve. I mean, the, all I wanted was just the the young lottery picks playing and not losing minutes in the process. And so last night was a win-win for everybody. So Ty Jerome, bravo. You play phenomenal. Um, Anthony Lamb, bravo. You play phenomenal. I'm still fascinated what happens at the 50, 50 game mark with both those players because at most you can only sign one of them unless you wave someone else. And um, yeah, so kudos. And look, you're starting to win me over, all right? I was a very tough person to persuade uh, for, for reasons I've, I've expressed. But yeah, kudos to Ty Jerome. I... I give you props because you played phenomenal ball last night. So that's my take on Ty Jerome. What do you think? If, if I... you, you gave him props. You didn't give a proper apology. Um, well, but I am, I am going to. All right. So folks in the chat, <laughs> he's not going to apologize, but he did no. say that Ty Jerome played well. It's baby steps. Yes. Um, uh, in heart of, in the light of just having some healthy discourse, Golden State Hoops did point out that Ty Jerome's shooting percentages on the season are 54, 43, 94. Also, he's a great uh, assist to turnover ratio. And you in the past have said that he was a bad player and an inconsistent shooter. So the numbers don't lie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But you also got to keep in mind too, like, and I, 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 Kylan, I'm, I don't actually don't know what your, 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 your viewing habits are. Like I watch these games beginning to end minute by minute. And even though he doesn't commit a lot of turnovers, even though the numbers indicate he's a great player, he makes mistakes at inopportune times. And again, more importantly, look at the win-loss record. It's not like the Warriors are suddenly like in the clear to make the playoffs. They're still two games below 500. They still own the worst road record in the NBA. And those two road trips killed them, right? They had that five-game trip earlier in the season in the Southeast. They just finished the road trip, uh, six-game uh, trip right now where they went one and five. So that horrible road record is largely a 1-10 record from those two trips. And Ty Jerome was part of all of that. So, yeah, it's going to take me a little while to be fully Team Jerome. But last night was a positive step. I, I, I bow to Ty Jerome because you beat the Grizzlies in a huge game. I was not I, – I counted out the Warriors. I did not think they would win that game last night. 
that was impressive. That that really made me feel good. That was just a damn good feel good game for the Golden State Warriors. That made me that gave me the cuckles. I got a little cuckly right here. I don't know. What do you did you feel good? I know you're not a Warriors fan. So my last stance on on Ty Jerome is just that like I do get what you're saying. And I think that like to have a two-way player, I mean be like if he was to be like the main backup point guard, like I don't think that he's necessarily there yet, but I just don't think either some of the things that you said, like he's a bad player, he's inconsistent. Like I think when he does get minutes, like he has been steady for the Warriors and he's been a contributor. He's been, I think, fairly consistent. And you may say one or two mistakes have come at inopportune times, but like in last night's game, it seemed like he was making all the right decisions at all the right times, didn't have a turnover, was passing when he needed to pass. He took it when he needed to take, had a couple of nice finishes. Um, so, you know, I think that for what he is and being a two-way player, he's been exceptional, um, you know, for what his role should be on this team. Now, does that mean he's outstanding and he's better than, you know, I'm not going that far, but, but I do think that he's a good player and he has NBA potential. Like, I think that he absolutely could be a role player in the NBA beyond just a two-way. Um, yeah, see, like, like he's this- getting there. Like, that's going too far. What Jacob just wrote is going too far. When Jacob writes, I honestly trust Ty more than Dante DiVincenzo, I'm not going to go there. Like, if you if you gave me a choice between those two players, like, just to put it in context, Dante DiVincenzo last night, who we haven't mentioned at all, had 19 points, third on the team in scoring, uh, went 7 for 12 from the field, 5 for 9 from 3. I don't think the Warriors win that game without Dante DiVincenzo. No. So I'm not ready to say that he's better than Dante DiVincenzo. And my standards are so psychotically high that you that I mean, look, the Warriors are pursuing a repeat world championship. They're part of a dynasty. So, yeah, my standards are psychotic. I will fully admit that. I'm not saying Ty Jerome is not an NBA player. I just think for this roster, it takes a lot to win me over. And he did nothing to win me over until last night. So kudos to Ty Jerome. Keep it going. And if he does, you're not going to hear complaints from me, plain and simple. But we do have to also give love to Moses Moody. Moody had a terrific game last night. Like, what do you, and I love your thoughts when we come back from the break. Like, what your thoughts were on Moody? Wiseman, right? I mean, Wiseman, eight minutes, I felt like he could have played a little more, but those were a great eight minutes. They actually had a big out there for the first time in a long time. And then Jonathan Kaminga, who, even though like he didn't put up a lot in the stat sheet, he still was second on the team in plus minus at plus 21. And he grabbed uh, some really big rebounds, only at four total. So my point is, as Ty Drum had a great game. He had a great game. But that entire bench was fantastic. And I would love to get your reaction after we talk, uh, read this PSA from the National Highway Transportation Agency, uh, who has an important message. And I'm going to read it now. You're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. I think we all, or most of us can relate to that. As the evening comes to an end, and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of, dr- of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, please. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one minute to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Oh, I saw that up. Sorry. Uh, Colin, what was your reaction to the rest of the bench, though? I mean, I, I feel like the, the, like like Jerome, Lamb, and the three lottery picks, they were on something last night, man. They were, they were killing the Grizzlies. Your reaction to not just Jerome, but everyone else. Dude, everyone else was on fire, which is why this was such a fun game to watch. A lot of times when the Warriors have turned deep into their bench into some of the young players, especially like recently even, it's just looked super uninspiring. And last night was the opposite. Like they brought energy. They brought intensity. I know you mentioned before the break, Dante DiVincenzo, and he's not included in that young core, but uh, he was fantastic. I just wanted to say that. I, But I've been saying that all season. Like I love what he brings to this team. Um, I just think that every single night, he's also a player that, you know, is going to play hard every night. And when he does knock down shots, he's a major threat on offense. He can facilitate. Like I like Dante DiVincenzo's game a lot. Um, and then in regards to the youngsters, I mean, I thought Moses Moody played great. Speaking of just like making good decisions, like going up when he needed to go up. He had that one monster dunk that like Steph was on his feet for everyone's going nuts. And honestly, one of the players that I was really curious about, and I wish we'd gotten to see more of was James Wiseman, but I actually tend to agree with you that even though he didn't score, I thought he looked good and he looked mm-hmm. more confident and he was playing more aggressive um, down low, which is Heck yeah. two of the most important things that you're looking for from James Wiseman. Um, so I would love to see, more of him, uh, you know, in a larger sample size to be able to really try to evaluate. But I thought in the brief time that he was in the game, he looked good. He wasn't versus other times he's come in. I feel like he's actually negatively impacting the game. I, I didn't feel that way. Anthony right. Lamb, I also want to say, um, is an asset when he's hitting shots and when he can spread the floor because he's knocking down shots from outside or beyond the arc, then he is helping this team in some way. But there's the, the problem is there's nights that I feel like he's just gone cold and then what are you doing out there? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he has to be able to hit sh- hit those shots. And last night he did. He started out three for three from beyond the arc. Um, so I want to give him, you know, the accolades that he deserves as well because I think that he is a contributor when he is hitting shots. Um, and overall, you know, I was just looking up his numbers during the break on the season and, and – he has good numbers too, Anthony Lamb. And I'm someone who's I feel like has been hard on him. And I've seen some of the cracks in the armor, I think, defensively, where he's gotten out of position, games where he's out of position on defense and not hitting, you know, shots from outside on offense. And I'm like, what's this guy doing here? But overall, he is shooting 52, almost 42 from beyond the arc, 49, 41.9. And then the only thing is free throws, 33. That's pretty brutal. Um, but in general, you know, I thought that he did what he needed to do last night. And then, you know, like I said, I thought Moody was 
outstanding. Oh. And Kaminga was Kaminga was good too, and he put up seven points, but he was plus twenty one, which I think is a good indicator of you know I think he's really stepped up defensively, and that's the yes. biggest yes. area that he is strong right now, and that's the biggest area that I think he's really honed in on, and that's what the Warriors need from him. So like I'm happy to see that four boards three assists, one block, like to me, those are significant contributions beyond just scoring that Jonathan Kaminga needs to be making every night. And I want to see all of them get more minutes, even once uh, Curry and Wiggs return. Absolutely. I'm I'm slowly seeing more and more. A lot of people are seem to love comparing Kaminga to, to other players from, from, from lore. And I'm starting to see more and more of a Kawhi trajectory with him, a Kawhi Leonard trajectory, because I'm seeing that defense Last night he played fantastic defense, and and that's you're right. Just like touching on what you said, I think that's why his plus minus was so staggeringly high, despite the fact that's that mm-hmm. yeah he only put up the seven points. You know, last week, um, and yeah, and and Andre, you make it. I agree with you. He just needs to be more aggressive. What we saw from Kaminga in that Utah Jazz game, for some reason, we haven't seen that since offensively. Like we're like he he needs to constantly remember that he can overpower people and get to where he wants to get on the court and he somehow forgets that, or maybe he's being too uh, altruistic in his, in his offensive mindset where he's passing the ball a lot. And instead of taking shots, you know, last week um, we reported and a lot of people reported that uh, uh, Steve Kerr and Bob Myers had a dinner in New York. And let me know if you think this is how it played out. And this is based off what I saw in that Grizzlies game last night. Which, by the way, I saw someone write in the chat that it was such a gratifying win, and it was, man. That was a big, big victory. Um, I feel like what we saw last night was the culmination of that dinner where Steve Kerr went into it saying, look, you gave me a bunch of youngsters. I'm playing who I think I like best. And then Bob Myers responded with, fine, you play your two-way guys, but start playing the youngsters as well. They're also good. And then we saw them all play last night, and it resulted in a, a fantastic victory. Am I off base on my total fantasy of their dinner? What, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. And I would love to just like be a fly on the wall as those guys are having those discussions. Because to me, like, it, you know, when you read between the lines of what Steve Kerr is saying in, in some of these remarks and in interviews and in press conferences about young players, like needing more time and not being ready. And like, based on his choices in the rotation, like I agree with you, it's clear that he favors these two way players. He trusts them more. Like, flat out there's to me there's no question just based on the decisions he's made that that's who he trusts but this is the way that like you said this is the way that bob myers in the front office constructed this mm-hmm. this roster and so if there was a give and take like that's what you would think it would be that you know myers in the front office are saying well play these youngsters these are the people that we you know lined up to be the heirs to the throne basically and that are going to be those rotation players this season steve kerr maybe feels like they aren't ready to take on those roles and instead he's turning to the two-way players that he trusts more and you know where do the two sides come together uh you know it'll be interesting to see when the postseason comes around, who makes, you know, who makes that nine-man rotation? My question is, someone just pointed out in the chat, and this is something that you have said throughout this episode, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, the Warriors might just be bored. You know, they don't <laughs> yeah. take these regular season games, you know, as seriously because they know that, you know, the time to click, the time to really put it all together is the postseason and as you get close to the postseason. But, like, at what point does it become a concern about their seating, where they're at? Like, do you – I know we've talked about how the West is super still wide open, but, like, 
at some point, don't the Warriors, like, you know, we're getting here down the stretch of the season. At some point, don't they have to start bringing it for these regular season games? Because you can't go in with, the, you know, you're going to put yourselves in a more difficult position going in with a lower seed. I guess that's my point. Like, at what well, point do you start turning it on for these games? I agree. It, it is. This whole thing is where Mike Breen said on the broadcast last night that if the, if the trajectory continues for the Warriors, they're going to have the biggest discrepancy in NBA history between home record and road record. They have literally the best home record in the NBA right now, I believe. They have the fewest amount of losses. Uh, Cleveland's close to them, but I think the Warriors have the best home record. And then they have the worst road record in the NBA. Um, so, look, they have seven games remaining in this homestand. Uh, it, it looks like they got everything under control at home. I, I, I think once they figure it out on the road, that'll all come together. Um, but you're right. You're right. They do have to focus on the regular season because – you don't want to not have home court for like the entire run. You don't want to end up being right. the play in. Um, yep. no you know, way. this Grizzlies rivalry, no by the way. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't control. Oh, no. I was just saying that's that's like my concern, basically, is, you know, like you can't lollygag the whole regular season because, like you said, clearly, especially with the disparity this team has, they want to have home court advantage as much as possible through the postseason. I don't think a play in tournament is going to do the Warriors any favors. They do not want to be in that position. They've got to be top six, hands down. And so, like, at some point, it's still very attainable at this point based on how the West is shaked out, shaken out so far. But like at some point they got to start taking this seriously and they've got to figure out what's happening on the road. Yeah. And, and Han Solo Dolo makes a good point about the road record uh, correlating with maybe a lack of free throw attempts. They are the, they are, they do lead the NBA in the fewest amount of those and the, and the rate of free throw attempts, the NBA officials this year have been atrocious um, that's beating a dead horse, but I, I hear and feel every complaint about that because look, I think what the Warriors could call for like seven texts last night, it was some ridiculous number. Oh, it, was uh, I, this, it was crazy. Right. Um, so here's a soundbite, by the way, I want to play this because I, I can't let John Morant slide for this. Um, it, John Morant was asked by Malika Andrews, uh, earlier this week, who he considers the biggest threats in the NBA. And this was, I don't understand why the Grizzlies continue running their mouths like this. But they got punched in the mouth and could be this could be a, a part of the reason why. Who do you look at around the league as you're studying and say, we're going to have to run through them? Celtics. No one in the West. Nah, I'm fine in the West. Jackass. Um, just absolute jackass. Like you got you got punched in the mouth last night and deservedly so. Remember the playoffs last year when he was literally blaming Jordan Poole? for his knee injury because for like a split second he touched his kneecap the, the, the grizzlies are that's a they are outrageous i mean you're more impartial than me when it comes to the grizzlies what are your thoughts on that i mean i mean why do you think they run their mouths and talk like this like what what good does it bring them your thoughts please before we wrap it up i mean to me this is where we see and i kind of thought this last year like that certain just like swag of a young team and i almost i don't know how to say like a naive team or maybe just you know they bring that certain youth to me uh, and a little bit of an experience when they you know talk a little bit but I also think that's the mark of potential greatness because like the players and the teams that bring that confidence that bring that swagger tend to be the players and the teams that are successful like in order to you know to me to be successful in professional sports and anyone who's played professional sports knows how much that goes into it in regards to having to be able to bring a certain sense of confidence that, you know, trash talk that goes on. And to me, if you're a competitor, like you live for that, like you love that. And that's why I think the Warriors get up for these games because like 
the Warriors love it. You, you, the Warriors got their Draymond Green, who's like, you want to punch him in the mouth, he'll punch you right back. You know, and I think in some regards, like I know people get kind of upset or maybe butthurt or I saw a clip going around on Twitter of, of the Grizzlies doing their little dance that they do going into the arena and people are like, oh, you know, and it's funny because, you know, they did get beat last night by a shorthanded Warriors team. So, you know, haha, after the fact, but like, that's what it takes to be great. You know, you've got to bring that you got to bring that swag. You've got to bring that joy in the game. And like, I do see that from the Grizzlies. Like they have that joy. They've got that chip on their shoulder. They believe that they're great. Um, and so I don't know. It's, it's, I think a little bit of youth in regards to the cockiness that, that I see, but I also feel like to be a great player, you've got to have some swagger. So I think it's just like a fine line. You know what I mean? And I mm -hmm. think that's, some of it is them being young and maybe like crossing that line. You know what I mean? I just think in like some of the inexperience and some of the youth and, you know, John Morant's still super young, one of the best players in the league. But like, I think they, you know, at some point they're going to, they're going to be put back over on the other side of the line. But at the same time, you know, I hope they keep some of that because I do think that when it comes to great teams and great competitors, a lot of them do, you know, you have to bring that in the game. And, and so I don't know. I think that they're, like I said, they're across the line right now into the cockiness, <laughs> but I do think that a lot of great teams and players, they, they have that, they have that certain yeah. swag. I just don't remember the Warriors ever talking like this when they were young and, and that's where the difference is. But um, Jermichael Green, before we go, does he still have a spot on this roster? Like let's say hypothetically um, and no, I'm not going to apologize. People are saying apologize to Lamb and Jerome. You act like I insulted their families. This is a sports talk show. I'm going to criticize players if they're not doing great. And I will admit if when they are, like Jerome and Lamb played great last night. Good. Keep it going, please. Continue. Prove me wrong. I want you to do that. Um, but I'm not going to apologize for being critical of NBA players. Give me a break. Um, but Jermichael Green is, let's say for the sake of argument, that uh, Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb have earned guaranteed deals on this roster. You're going to have to create two openings or you have to create one more opening. They have one opening now. So is Jermichael Green the guy? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, Kylan, would you rather have Anthony Lamb or Jermichael Green? Hmm. Good question. Um, I mean, I just kind of, it, that's a tough question to ask because of the way this roster is constructed. I still believe they need a big. So, like, to me, the size of green is a major advantage over Ty Jerome. But, like, I don't know. I kind of think that Jerome is proving to me, or at least is making me believe he might be more of a significant co contributor than Jermichael Green. I have not been high on Jermichael Green. Sorry. Okay, Andre just said the chat needs to be traded immediately. I I have not been high on, on Jermichael Green this season at all. No stopping. Um, <laughs> You know who he is? You know who loves Jermichael Green is Kevin Dana. Kevin Dana really? is a big Jermichael Green defender because Jermichael Green is a G League product and and Kevin would call some of his games. Um, and he keeps saying he's preaching patience for Jermichael's threes to start falling. But that's ultimately, I think, what the Warriors are going to face because I don't think Andre Iguodala is going to be waived. Um, and he is going to provide value if he's still, if his body can hold up. Andre Iguodala will be important in the sense of filling Draymond Green's role with that second unit. I, I envision that's what they're going to bring with Andre Iguodala. So most likely, if you want those two two-way players for the long run, it's Jermichael Green is going to be the odd man out. I don't know. but um, Can I I'm ask you a question? Can I ask you a question that I saw posed in the chat? And I think it's interesting. A lot of people are pointing out, oh, well, you know, 
Draymond has four rings, I think Greg just said, and six finals appearances to where, you know, he's earned the ability to talk. And I think there absolutely is totally truth to that. Um, But I'm very curious. Someone made a point in the chat. Is this what we're going to see in the future of the NBA because of now all the Gen Zers who are making their way into, you know, being professional athletes and coming out of college? People, a couple of people in the chat mentioned they think this is what we're going to see in the future because this is the way that this next generation was raised. The players maybe coming in with a sense of entitlement, uh, which. (laughs) You know what I find funny? is when millennials and Gen Z go at it against each other. Cause I just sit back and watch that little spark. spark over. <laughs> I'm in Gen X, baby. Like I'm, sitting back, I'm, I'm sitting back and watching that. Um, I don't do this. There's such stereotypes. I don't really paint individuals with generations, but um, I don't know. What's the question? I don't even know. What, was there a question? I was I'm just sorry. saying like, do you think that we're going to see more of the John Morants and the Grizzlies coming into the NBA not. now? Because well, no, I'm saying like that cockiness the confidence some people say sense of entitlement <laughs> I, don't, I hope not i i don't i don't like arrogance that, it, that's a behavioral trait that just turns me off tremendously and that's what i see with the grizzlies is is arrogance i don't see what good comes from running your mouth ever period draymond green is a four-time champion that you know he's from saginaw michigan they love talking trash that's their style i get it I, I'm, I, you know, but he's also won. He was not talking and running his mouth like this before the dynasty started. So not at this level. Um, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And yes, LR, I know, I, I know you're, I know Kylan's a millennial. I'm not bashing millennials. I'm just, I'm just sitting back and just watching. Cause I feel like anytime there's a generational argument, it's always millennials and Gen Z, like just going back and forth, bickering with each other. And I'm just sitting here, sitting back, watching it, eating some popcorn, Stephen Curry style. So that's me. Um, no thing. <laughs> Do you agree with what Fang you just wrote here? That I know, yeah, are... I saw that. And I'm curious. No, words are as arrogant as anyone. Well, so here's the thing: there's a difference. Even if you do think that they're arrogant, it's that it's an earned arrogance versus walking into the league and feeling maybe, like I said, entitled to you know being cocky or feeling like you're already winners when you've yet to win a championship, you know? So yeah. that's the thing. If you do think the Warriors are arrogant, I, you know, that would be my counter, like four championships in eight seasons. Like, do they not have a right to be, you know, if you do feel like that's the way they carry themselves? But I also, I don't personally think they're exceptionally arrogant. And that starts with Steph Curry because Steph Curry Absolutely. is the most humble superstar in the NBA, I think across sports. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say that the Warriors are overly arrogant when literally their superstar is like the most humble person on the planet. Maybe you could say Draymond's a little cocky. I wouldn't go as far as arrogant, but you know, again, like he's kind of that fiery guy on the team that brings that little extra, you know, jarring and whatnot. So I don't know. I don't hate it. He's a freaking legend. He's a multi, you know, six, seven time all-star. Like what's he's allowed to talk a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so before we go, uh, the Warriors play the Hornets tomorrow at home. Game two of an eight-game homestand. And, and it is incredible to me how the Warriors are just two teams. They're two entirely different teams when they're at home and on the road. And I, I've never seen anything like this. It's fascinating. Um, great to see you, Kylan. Anything else? Did we touch on everything for today? Anything we forgot? We did. I, I think the Warriors have got to win – 
a lot on this homestand given their struggles on the road. Like I just think it's super important right now that the Warriors, if they're struggling on the road, take care of business at home. They cannot take a game off. I think they've got to really try to make some moves in the standings. I know people call the regular season. Someone just said the Warriors invitational or just the season in general. Um, <laughs> I know we've been talking about them not taking the regular season as seriously as possible, but now is the time where they need to start, like I said, making some moves. You can't be in the yeah. spot a month from now, you know, like, Let's start trying to string together some wins and, and getting some momentum. Even without Steph Curry, I think that's doable for this team, as we saw last night. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Um, and, the, and, and it was so reassuring because for anyone who's starting to wonder if the Warriors are no longer title contenders, they're still title contenders, folks. They're, they're right in the mix. Um, all right. We'll be back at it tomorrow. And uh, Steve Baker, is that the Steve Baker who's the, the, the agent? I feel like I, I'm, I, if that's the same one, hello, it's been a long time. Um, I think we're done, right? I, I don't, I mean, Draymond Green had a great game. Got to give him love. I think that's it. Right? Peace. I have a hard time saying goodbye. That's, that's an issue of mine. All right. Bye, everyone. Peace out. Bye. <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.